Hello all and welcome to the Hillcrest Duo. It is episode 18. Today is Saturday, January 16th, 2016. I am Brad Resto at Outsider Brad on Twitter. I am joined alongside Metal John at Metal John Radio on Twitter. It is our first full episode of 2016, I believe. Um, uh, we also had the Making the Murder Run, but Metal, what are you looking forward to this year, 2016? The thing I, I'm looking forward to the most in the year of 2016 it's a close one, but I think I'm wait, leaning wait, wait, towards... Wait, 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 let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Using my mind powers, Suicide Squad. No, Batman versus Superman. I knew it was between those two. Yes. My, and I just had to go, is, is he going to go with Margo or is he going to go with Batman? Harley or Batman, Harley or Batman, he's going to go with Harley. And I was wrong. Powers failed. Epic fail. <laughs> what about you, Brad? What are you looking forward to the well, most in 2016? You know what? I am the huge Spider-Man fan, so of course I'm looking forward to Captain America Civil War because I want to see what they do with him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because in every trailer you hear or see of it, he's nowhere to be found and everyone wants to know what they're going to do because from everything we've I've read, it's more than just a small walk-on role. Well, but we, will, we shall see. Yes, I am looking forward to that more than anything else. Now, we obviously had a week off, and I apologize for that. That was my fault. I was down in Texas last Texas. week. Texas, Texas. I was down in Austin, Texas, and I have to say, of course, it was it was a fun. I went down there for a wedding, but on my flight, um, uh, I'm because I get bored very, very easily. So the nights before, I downloaded some movies to my iPad to watch, and I downloaded some of the the Batman movies. I downloaded um uh, the animated Batman movies. I downloaded Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, which is a cool movie. I don't know if you've seen that. I gotta one. see that one. I haven't. Oh, seen that it one's yet. a cool one. That's the one where Lex Luthor becomes president, and uh, now Batman and Superman are public enemies. So it's a neat one. Um, I saw Son of Batman, which is um, based on some more recent comics, and um, uh, Damian Wayne um, meeting Bruce Wayne. I saw Batman versus Robin, which is a direct sequel, and there's a third sequel coming out actually in about two weeks that you'll be able to see. But I did see one I think you did see, and that is Batman Assault on Arkham. Basically a Suicide Squad yes, uh, set up. Um, yes, it's Suicide Squad. It's it, They say it's a Batman movie. I'm going to be completely honest with every single one of you. That is just blatant false advertising. It's yeah, Batman it's, Universe Assault on Arkham. It's Suicide Squad Assault on Arkham. Batman does appear. Yes. And it is the right Batman. I will give you that. It's Kevin Conroy, which is yep. always nice to hear. And Mark Hamill is the Joker. Oh, so awesome. But I, is, I, I, I love that movie. It is so awesome. But there's a scene in it, and I think we can give away full spoilers since it's been out since like 2014, I think. Yeah, it came out. So it's ago. been a while. So if you haven't seen it, sorry, we're doing full spoilers. There's a jailbreak. And one of the convicts that gets released is Bane. And he gets released because he gets pumped full of venom. And my question is... Why does Gotham, uh, I mean, Arkham, even have that as an option to pump him full of at all? It's like, okay, this is his sedative. This is the one that will wake him up. And this one right here, Paul, never pre push this one in him. This is the venom. This one will be the make them go insane and be able to kill everyone. So don't pump him full of that one. Yeah. Why is he even connected to it? Uh, I can understand he has to be connected to some kind of drug thing because he's got this weird problem now. But to have the, that drug there, why even have it hooked up? It just made absolutely no sense to me. Like, okay, everyone else getting out, that's fine. But him, that just makes no sense to me. But this is our um, one of our first episodes of 2016. So what we want to do right now is go over some of our favorite things from 2015, last year. Yeah. 
We have you have a top ten list. Of, we have our top ten list of our favorite movies coming up. But we're gonna go into first something we actually haven't done enough of, and I apologize for that. That's probably more my fault. Our top five video games from last year. That's um uh, something I really really enjoy. So we have uh, the Hillcrest Duo top five video games. Yeah, and and just to set this up, uh, so Brad is the is more or less the video game guy for yes. the duo. I'm very passionately in touch with like the movies and even before the podcast I used to do a top 10 movie list every single year I used to blog it I used to post it on Rotten Tomatoes I was big into it but now that we got the podcast I'm using this as the outlet to share with you my top 10 films of the year and the reasons why they're my top 10 films of the year um and I you're very passionate about video games, yep. so Brad's taking the realm here. He's going to go through top five video games of 2015, and then after that, we'll get into my top ten films of 2015. Okay, coming in at number five, it was released a bit earlier in the year. It's Batman Arkham Knight, just a great game, closing out the Arkham trilogy. If anyone out there corrects me and says there's four games, you are wrong. There are not four games. Arkham Origin is blasphemy, and it does not count. <laughs> Shut up. It is not real. But it is a great send-off because what's great about this game is it is the final send-off to Kevin Conroy as Batman and Mark Hamill as Joker. They're both in this game. They're both doing their voices, and they both knock it out of the park. It is a great Batman story um, of, once again, this is last year, so I can do some complete spoilers. Uh, the Scarecrow forcing pretty much everyone to leave the city because he has enough fear toxin to completely blanket the eastern seaboard. Nice. And he's joined by the titular Arkham Knight, who is someone who um, is, uh, has paramilitary training, it would seem, and has a close connection with Batman, and is a whiny little jerk who no one seems to like. And if you can't figure out who that is, well, you probably haven't read, didn't read a lot of Batman comics in the mid-80s. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go up and tell you, it's Jason Todd, the second Robin, Ooh. who no one liked and got, was killed off because no one liked him. That is quite literally why he was killed off. They had held a vote, and they killed him off. Nice. What do we got for number four, Brad? But number four is Just Cause 3. Ask me why, Metal. Why, Brad? Just Cause. But no, it's a great game um, because it, 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 the title obviously has a double meaning. What you're doing in that, this is obviously the third game in the series, what you're doing is fighting for a just cause as you fight to liberate people of these islands, but you can do anything i mean it is a playground game it's like a grand theft auto playground like, like grand theft auto playground but completely off the wall bonkers physics you can jump out of a plane and hook shot yourself onto the ground and not get yourself killed it is a hilarious game do not it's, try this at home folks. no no do not try this at home it's a game that has a bit of a trifling story it's stupid and um, insipid but it remembers what games are supposed to be, and that's fun because you can go around just blowing stuff up and um, unleashing your un utter inner Michael Bay on these uns poor, unsuspecting civilians. Ooh. Speaking of Michael Explosions. Bay, speaking of Michael Bay, more on Michael Bay and his new film and a special thing attached to that film is coming up at the end of this podcast we're yes. going to talk about. So a little tease there for you. Okay, and this is a game I'm actually still playing, but I've been really, really enjoying it. It came back out and back in November, so I'm obviously going to avoid as many spoilers as possible. And that's Rise of the Tomb Raider. Everyone loves Tomb Raider games. They've been around since the original PlayStation. And this is the second game in their reboot of the franchise, as 
Crystal Dynamics kind of um, uh, ran the game series into the ground uh, after a while. But this is a new one, and uh, they have relaunched it, and it is just a great story. Uh, they have obviously um, kind of tapped into sort of the Hunger Games um, a thing with a woman, woman with bow, because that is one of your key weapons. Female Robin Hood. Female Robin Hood, and it's a lot of, you know, you've, you're landed in this jungle area. How the heck are you going to survive? In this case, you've actually are stranded in a mountainous area, and the terrain train changes a lot. But just more about Laura Croft's quest for survival as she tries to uncover a ancient plot, blah, blah, blah. Just basically Indiana Jones with a girl, which is what uh, Laura Croft originally started as. And it's just the easiest way to describe stories like this because another one of my favorite games that is coming out later this year is um, uh, Drake's Fortune Games, which is just Indiana Jones, but we couldn't get the license for Indiana Jones, so here's Nathan Drake. Shut up. Because <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't get the license, so you're going to be stuck with this guy that um, uh, has, uh, um, has a bunch of floozies that he um, goes around with, punches people, and has guns, and fights Nazis. That's basically all it is. But it's a great use of the intellectual property. I am so glad that Laura Croft is back to being the badass she deserves to be. And this game exemplifies it in no other way. And my number two game of the year, this is one that not, not everyone would call a game. This is probably not a game that you would ever play, but I think you're missing out if you don't. And that is Tales from the Borderlands. It's an adventure game. So you don't do a lot of actually, you don't aren't in control of the action. It's more like you sit back and you're going to watch a movie. And every now and then, a prompt is going to come up and you have to choose what to do. It's basically a graphical choose-your-own-adventure. But what's great about this game is your choices have consequences because Tales from the Borderlands was a five-episode game. The first episode was actually released in 2014, but the other four were released in 15. So I'm fine with keeping it here in this regard. But your choices have consequences. There was a choice I made in the first game, which meant I couldn't do something in the finale because I had uh, screwed that up. Way to go, Brad. Way yeah, to mess I screwed, it up. Yeah, I screwed up. I allowed the someone, world will never be the same. I allowed someone to die that I probably shouldn't have because I was bitter and mean. But the choice... It sounds like Oregon Trail. Well, <laughs> yeah. How many well, days of rest for a snake bite? Well, you know what? I love the, the, the this game is released by Telltale Games, and they have a number of these games. But this one is great because it has some of the best storytelling and best humor of all the games released this year. Definitely the funniest game because you can get it for any system. You can get it for the PS3, Xbox, Xbox One, PS4, PC. Pretty much all the phones also have it, so you can play this while you're on the train, because I know you take the train into work every um, weekday, it is just a great story, and it's fun to watch, and it has some of the most original and witty writing that have been in video games in ages. And another reason why you might want to play this one, because it's a good introductory game, and Telltale Games has two other episodic games that have this same kind of idea where you make choices, and all the choices will have consequences. There is a Game of Thrones game, and... There's a Walking Dead game nice. where you are a not, obviously not one of the main survivors. You're just another group of survivors. And your choices may or may not doom the other survivors that are with you. My guess is your choices would doom every other survivor. Because? Because reasons. <laughs> because reasons. Reasons to be determined. Reasons to be determined because 
you can just make the smallest mistake. Also, oh yeah, one more small note on these ones. You get like five seconds to make a choice. It'll pop up and then there'll be a timer. And you're like, which one do I wait? Which one do I make? Oh, oh, that one's bad. And finally, the Hillcrest Duo Game of the Year. For 2015. For 2015. It, it, it's really not that much of a shock if you know anything about the games that came out last year. It's Fallout 4, which is an action RPG game. It's the first. It's a first-person shooter. You go around, and you get a story told to you as you're walking around, which is basically an alternate future wasteland that got nuked. Once again, your choices have huge consequences here, but more importantly, you don't even need to play the main story in this game. I can't tell you how much time I spent just going, running around doing side quests and helping random people out for no other reason other than to just do it. But there's also a settlement system in this one where you can craft things for people to come and live in your settlement and make your little settlement the beacon of the wasteland. You have to go do quests for them. You have to go get materials to break down and uh, make into other materials. It is. Are you still playing this one or have you Oh, yes, it? I'm still playing it. I'm still, I mean, I finally beat the main story once again. Your choice, you have to make a choice in this one because there are factions in this one and that's what took me the longest like okay i'm gonna go do all the quests for these factions and so i can decide which one to do oh geez i have no idea which one to choose i could and one of them is ostensibly evil and i still couldn't choose which one to join i'm like well they're evil but and i'm not gonna say why i was thinking about them because that's a huge spoiler for this game and it had fallout games in the past are always have always always been great once again, this is a great story. It's maybe a little more simplified than the previous Fallout games. I mean, there's a lot of uh, Fallout 1 and 2 stalwarts that don't even like Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas, which were the last two released. But this one is a lot simpler, but it is also a lot harder and a lot more unforgiving because you don't get a lot of ammunition because it's, it's tough out there. So, yes, the 2015 Hillcrest Duo Game of the Year is Fallout 4. Now, I do want to cut one more thing off before we move on to the top 10 movies of the list. A lot of people are saying, going to be saying, why don't you have Metal Gear Solid 5 in your top 5? And it's quite simple. I have always hated the Metal Gear Solid games because I suck at stealth games. And that game is completely unforgiving because there are some stealth games I like. There's um, uh, the Assassin's Creed series, which is fun. I don't know if you've ever played this one, Metal. It's the Hitman series. Basically, you get a contract, and uh, you're told to kill them, and then there's just various ways you can finish it throughout the um, level. But in those games, when you don't do your objective stealthily, you don't feel like you completely screwed up the game, and the game isn't punishing you when you get caught. You can get your way out of it by destroying every single person who's coming after you or try and become anonymous again. And I like that in Metal Gear Solid games. I just never get that feeling. It just feels like it's punishing me for being the more violent route. So, yes, I've just never liked Metal Gear Solid games. Sorry, people. Move on because we're moving on to Metal John, who has the top 10 movies released in 2015 as thought by the Hillcrest duo. Yeah, so uh, Brad, good job with the list on the video games. Obviously, we could all hear the passion of how you feel about video games in your voice and in your expressions, which people cannot see. But, but yes, can. so 2015, year of some really good films. As you will probably notice in my trend here with films, just like every year, 
the majority of the top films are usually come out late in the year, and that's because yeah. the studios they they hold them, they they put out their best work late in the year. That's why it's almost called, everybody's top ten list is late in the year. Well, that's why it's called award season. Exactly. So, without further ado, my number ten film of 2015, The Reverend, that's, set in that's only number ten. That's number ten. Wow, I can't wait to see what else is on this because I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it is a really great movie. It's set in the 1800s. A hunting team is attacked, and Hugh, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, basically left for dead. This is the story of his fight for survival to get back home. It's mostly a one-man show for the majority of the movie. Everything about the film from start to finish is pretty awesome. It's violent. It's bloody. It brings your fears of being stuck in the middle of nowhere in the cold you know, to life. It's very much like The Grey. It's very much like Castaway, mm-hmm. but very gritty. Okay, now I have to ask Which, you... The Grey was gritty, too, but this is... I mean, it's almost so gritty. It's very poetic when you think about it. It, it, it has a very poetic element to it, so it kind of separates itself from The Grey, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's kind of similar. Now, I have to ask you a question. Um, uh, obviously, we're recording this. It's been a few days since the Oscar nominations were released. Leo is up for an Oscar in this flick. It being number only number ten, does he get the nod? Uh, he gets the win. Oh, he gets the win. He okay. gets the win. I, I is, mean, I know. Um, is this a lifetime achievement one, or is this he actually deserves it? Both. Both. He he deserves it, and he, I mean, my opinion, I think Leo should have won for Aviator years ago. Okay. That was that was Leo's best performance ever. Was Aviator? This is a really good performance. I loved him in Wolf of Wall Street. I was kind of rooting for him last year in that, which Wolf of Wall Street was my favorite film in 2014. We're we're gonna do an episode probably in the next week or two where we kind of talk about the Oscar nominations a little bit more in depth okay. and, and and have our picks. But the Reverend. Leads with 12 Oscar nominations. Right. Here's my other bold prediction. Director of this movie, which also directed last year's winner, Birdman, his name Alejandro Gonzalez, he's going to win. This is going to be back-to-back awesome. director and possibly back-to-back feature right. film wins. This movie, I think, is going to clean and up at the Oscars. Didn't Michael Caton win the Oscar last year? Yeah. So he'd also have the best lead actor in both his movies. So he may uh, clean up back-to-back years. Okay, Look well, out for that. Before we move on, who is um, Leo's um, uh, main competition? Who's, it's usually only two people that are actually vying for it. <sighs> you know, I'll have to get back to you on that one okay. when it comes down to our, 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 Good our idea. Oscar show. Let's move on to I'll number to nine. Put some more thought in it. Number nine, movie I know, Brad, you've probably never heard of. It's a movie called Room. Room is a, it's a little independent movie. So Jack, played by the uh, young actor Jacob uh, Tremblay, and his mom, played by Brie Larson, are confined to a room. Jack grows up knowing nothing about the outside world. The two of them are locked in this room about the size of a bedroom. It's got a toilet, a bathtub, a bed, a closet, toaster, and a sink. A man comes in to the room every night from a keypad on the outside. It's a one-way door. Um, and uh, he drops off things they need. Mom and Jack kind of devise this plan to escape from the room, but they're basically held prisoners in this room where Jack grew up since he was a baby, so he knows nothing about the outside world. Wow. And is, and obviously they had no books or any kind of entertainment in the room? Uh, they had a TV. They had some books. Um, the TV was just, you know, an antenna TV, so whatever they can get, they can get. But uh, but basically it's, it's a very... Man, it's a, it's a, one of those stories that, you know, it's truly like a, a mother's relationship with her son and how nice. strong of a bond that is and what, what a mother would 
what kind of length she would go to, you know, to, to, to help her son out. And, you know, if you go into this film not knowing much about it, basically, other than what I said, it's pretty important because it kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat as far as what's going to happen next. Um, it's written by Emma Donahue, who also wrote the book titled Rome. And, uh, you know, man, the moment this film ended, Brad, I knew instantly, without a doubt, Brie Larson was going to win the Oscar for it. And if she doesn't, it's going to be a huge upset. She won the Golden Globe last weekend. Right. She's nominated for the Oscar. I mean, nobody stands a chance to beat her in this. Okay. Possibly Jennifer Lawrence, but Brie Larson deserves an Oscar for this movie. Okay, let's move on to the number eight best film as determined by the Hillcrest duo. Uh, Inside Out. Mm -hmm. I'll start off by saying I almost never put an animated movies or kids movies on my top ten list. But I Toy Story 3 was the most recent exception. However, it's this Pixar. film this film is one of those that I promise you will stick to you long after watching. Uh, the brilliant minds over at Pixar came up with this original idea. Kids are really going to enjoy it. But the fact, Brad, that this has on adults will, will tug on mm -hmm. your heartstrings unlike any movie. Takes you on this journey to the master controls of a person's yeah. mind. All of your emotions are characters. Joy, sadness, fear, anger. And your memory banks are, are there. They're like little marbles that go through tunnels. Uh, and baking into your memory. Metal? Yeah. I think I've, I've seen it. I know. Girl. 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 Oh, I love oh. <laughs> That's the best, my favorite part of it. The very, I, I love that too. The, the panic. And, and it's, it's a little bit more of a panic. The alarm's like, girl, girl, girl. No, no, oh, no. The, no, the in the background, though, just the alarm. Just uh, uh, all, oh, the, yeah. all the guy, the boy's emotions just going nuts. Oh, so funny. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the movie has a very serious tone. Yes. It shows you basically why it's important to to, to cherish your memories and, and, and moments in your memory bank and and. I don't know when you saw it, but I went opening weekend because I, I heard all the raves about this. So I went opening weekend to go see it, and the adults in that showing were laughing harder than the kids. And at the end of the movie, man, everybody was wiping tears from their eyes. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just one of those movies that really, really does have it so hugs. much more deeper meaning to, you, to, to it than what you think. But at the same time, it's hysterical. Yeah. I mean, it's hysterical. I mean, even the scene where the husband and wife are at the table and and they're debating, and the husband's watching the sports, mm -hmm. and and the wife's trying to talk to him, and and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, what did she say? I, I don't know. Were you listening? Did anybody know what she said? <laughs> anybody know what she said? How are we going to respond? We got to give her a response. What do we say?" And <laughs> oh, that, so that, good. Yeah, the different um, um emotions were also good. But let's move on to our number seven film. You impressed so far, Brad? My, yes, my very favorite. good. All right. Number seven, Creed. Usually sports films, also not on my top ten, but this one was... Actually, the last one on my top ten list was Miracle in 2004. Ooh, that's a lot. That's 11 years... Oh, that's 12 years ago. Yeah. Adonis Creed's, uh, you know, he's played by Michael B. Jordan, seeks advice and training from Rocky, um, talking about... Some some really great work here. I mean, Ryan Coogler, who's the director, this is only the second movie he's directed. The previous movie he did was Fruit of Ale Station, which also starred Michael B. Jordan and was also a fantastic film. 
So these, this is the second time they've worked together. And he wrote it, right? Yeah. And this is the second home run for both of them. Um, it had so, to be intimidating for him, and, though. To... And you'll like this. Ryan Coogler, the director of this movie, is going to direct Black Panther. It had to be intimidating for Coogler, though, because he's working in this um, established universe that has been established by Sylvester Stallone, and he's d- trying to direct him and say, okay, this is what Rocky should do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think more than anything, this I mean, it, it's just not another movie in the Rocky franchise. Oh, I know. It's, you can't it, no. look at this as just another movie. This I is a tribute agree. to Rocky. Oh, I know. This I completely is like, agree. It's this, a tribute and establishing it. A new homage for a new generation and get to keep, hopefully keep it going. I mean, this is the seventh film in ostensibly the Rocky franchise, yep. and it's still going strong because this is definitely going to have a sequel, and I love it. Yeah, and Stallone, obviously, Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. I mean, and he's got to win. I mean, well, this is. De- I mean, he obviously deserves it, but this is obviously, obviously just the Lifetime Achievement one. You created this great role. You've done all these great movies. Who knows if you're going to get another chance? Here you go, champ. All right. My number six film of 2015, Mad Max Fury Road. One of the best visual oh, films yeah. all year. That desert setting, mm-hmm. almost no special effects, nonstop action from start to finish for two plus hours. Um, I'll give an honorable mention to Mission Impossible 5 because it was really right on par with Mad Max Fury Road. Right. But uh, George Miller, got- man, I, I want this guy to do more action movies because prior to directing this, did you notice he did Happy Feet 1 and 2? <laughs> and oh the my- only other action movies on this guy's directing credits is the other Mad Max movies from the 80s. Why can't Why can't Miller do like a James Bond movie or a comic book movie? He's got to do something. Because, I, I mean, when you watch Fury Road, I mean, it's just your and adrenaline's she- pumping. I mean... If you did not go see this movie in the movie theaters, uh, you really did yourself a disservice because right, that agree. was a movie you had to experience in the theater, and it was ju- and it was awesome. Just- All right, we're moving on to the top five. Number five on the list: Spotlight, the story of the Boston Globe team that investigated and exposed the Catholic Church for the cover up of Catholic priests abusing. Uh, uh, Boys around the Boston area. The paper published in 2002. This is probably one of the best tributes to working media I've ever seen. It really shows how much like hard work and investigating right. goes into some media outlets will do to uncover the truth. It was directed by an East Coast native, Tom McCarthy, who has very, very few small directing credits, but look for him to. I think he did get the Oscar nomination, but uh, Mark Ruffalo, one of his best performances ever. I know he's up for for supporting actor, um, but rest of the cast: Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Stanley Tucci, Liev Schreiber. I, just a fantastic movie, um, you know, just about the working, the hard work yeah. that media puts into their stories, and loved it. So that's uh, that's my top five. You got Spotlight is number five, Mad Max number six, Creed number seven, Inside Out number eight. Number nine is Room, and number 10, The Reverend. Now, on to the top five. My number four film of 2015, The Big Short. The story about hedge fund manager Michael Burry, played by Christian Bale, that predicted the housing collapse of 2008, 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. It's based on the book by Michael Lewis. Adam McKay directed this. If you did not know this, Adam McKay is the guy who works a lot with Will Ferrell. He also wrote, directed Get Hard, Anchorman, Step Brothers, uh, this is not one of those raunchy comedy comedies. This is really like an all-star cast, very similar to maybe like The Wolf of Wall Street a little bit. Right. Um, you got Christian Bale in it, Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell, Brad Pitts. The film features a ton of banking, finance, stock-related terminology and numbers, and it gets way over your head, Brad. Trust me. Oh, I'm sure. But 
the way this kudos to the writing and directing and acting and cameos, but the way they explain some of these things, they use celebrity cameos to explain to you what a hedge fund is, to explain to you what a short term mortgage is. And all I got to say is Margot Robbie in a bubble bath. That's all I'm going to say. Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn later this year, in a bubble bath. Margot well, Robbie in a bubble bath. How does this not get I don't, to number one? How can you not do, just put it to number one for that very reason? Oh, man. Oh, and Christian Bell's character has a love for heavy metal music. So the whole movie, he's just sitting in his office, blasting heavy metal music, crunching numbers, and, and playing with drumsticks. Oh, it's so awesome. Okay. Uh, anyways, <laughs> this, film, this film is pieced together. It's entertaining. It's tragic as well because it's a true story, and it's about how these guys kind of saw the collapse coming and bet against it, and it paid off. Number three. Number three is Star Wars The Force Awakens. As I've said a few times on this podcast, my favorite in the franchise, very similar to A New Hope, and it does pay tribute to A New Hope, but it also opens the door for a new generation of fans, which is most important. I mean, and how did this movie not get a Best Picture nomination? I don't know. I mean, when you consider all the ones that they had to put in there that it seemed like they were reaching, how does this one not just get at least get the nomination? It's not going to win. We get it. There's no way it's going to win. There are too many good movies. But give it the nomination, please. All right. Number two film. This 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 one was number one on my list for almost the entire year. It came out in the spring of 2015. It follows. It's a horror horror movie, and once basically this thing, which just put it in print, this thing is passed on to you, it will follow you, and it will not stop following you until it catches you and kills you. This film is set in a small Michigan town. It's creepy, and it's probably the closest film to the original Halloween movie, and and. Why I'm comparing it to this is just it's got that setting, it's got that creepy, it's got that great music score, yeah. and in my opinion, the best music score all year. One of the best horror movies in years. It's made up of a cast of unknown. It's written and directed by David Robert Mitchell, whose only other credits are written and directed by him. In 2010, The Myth of American Sleepover and a short movie called Virgin. The music score composer, Richard Verland, a.k.a. Disaster piece. I would I would have given him an Oscar nomination because I love this music score. He's done music score for video games in the past, like Fez. Anyways, this was uh, his first feature film score. Fantastic movie. I I mean I loved this movie so much. Okay, so we're getting to number one, and I get that's it. The Hateful Eight. I wrote it down. I'm putting it up to the microphone so everybody can see it. Yep, yep. See, I put it up to the microphone. So yeah, The Hateful Eight. Uh, my number one film in 2015, and It Follows was my number one until I saw Hateful Eight. And got in, uh, be- so Christmas just- Night is when It Follows got dethroned. Bounty Hunter and a prisoner en route to the small town of Red Rock. They seek shelter during a blizzard with a group of suspicious characters. Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Lee, Samuel Jackson, Bruce Dern, Tim Roth, Michael Matson make up part of the cast. Told basically two parts. The first half is all dialogue and creating the idea of people possibly not being who they say they are. The second half kind of turns into a bloodbath. I saw this film on the 70 millimeter print. It's Beautiful, Brad. 70 millimeter is gorgeous. This winter setting, it it, it just it, it because it's my new favorite movie to watch in the cold. Because you know when you're like at home and it's a blizzard outside. Yeah. I'm one of those people. I like to watch cold movies. So I watched The Shining. 
I like the Ice Storm. I like Fargo. I'm putting Hateful Eight up there as a movie to watch when you're stormed in in the cold. I'm a, I'm a huge Tarantino fan, so yeah. this really shouldn't be too, too much of a surprise that Hateful Eight's my number one. Um, but, you know, his characters, when they're talking to each other, the stories and the dialogue is just amazing. And I'll be honest with you, I'm throwing this out there right now. Samuel L. Jackson, my second favorite performance of Samuel L. Jackson is Hateful Eight. My first, Pulp Fiction. Okay, I was going to say, are you going to go with Snakes on a Plane? No. So, <laughs> recap my top 10 films from the year 2015. Number one, Hateful Eight. Number two, It Follows. Number three, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Number four, The Big Short. Number five, Spotlight. Number six, Mad Max Fury Road. Number seven, Creed. Number eight, Inside Out. Number nine, Room. Number 10, The Reverend. And that's it. my best actress of the year, Brie Larson The Room. Best actor, Samuel L. Jackson. Because it's my second favorite performance, but I will give an honorable mention to Leonardo DiCaprio. That's it for my top ten films. Uh, and uh, before we wrap up, yes, yes, yes. Before we wrap up, um, uh, a movie came out yesterday, the Thirteen Hours, a Michael Bay directed flick. I want to see that bad too. It looks and good. I, I don't really want to see that one. I'm not. I'm not interested in it. But I hear there's a trailer attached to it, and uh, so did we. And I've seen it. It's for Ten Cloverfield Lane. The hidden sequel that no one knew about to the 2008 flick Clo- Cloverfield. Yeah, I, I, they, apparently this film was put together in secret, and they were using the screen name. I want to say the seller for a while, and another they had another fake name out there too. Uh, it's got John Goodman in it, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and John Gallagher Jr. Um, I didn't know where yesterday. Basically, this trailer gets attached to the. You know, new movie, 13 Hours, and then it gets put online. No, I remember seeing a story um, early yesterday morning saying, is this a Cloverfield sequel? They didn't even know for sure until like 9 p.m. Central time that it was actually a sequel. Yeah, uh, I think J.J. Abrams and a couple of other people have said that it's basically going to be a blood relative to Cloverfield. And captions are, that's the description, a blood relative to Cloverfield. So it could be... 10 years down the line. Same it could universe. Be, yeah, same universe. It could be way in the future. Um, but I'm telling you, man, that trailer, bad ass. Intense. I mean, talk about putting together a great teaser. J.B. Abrams, when you think about Cloverfield's teaser, a lot of people remember when that teaser came out, everybody thought it was Godzilla in 2000. Everybody's like, oh my God, this is a Godzilla remake. This is Godzilla. This is Godzilla. All right. And they were just using the name Cloverfield. Then Super 8's trailer comes out, which is basically just the train crash and something breaking out of it. Everybody thought, this is a Cloverfield prequel. And it had nothing to do with Cloverfield. Now you've right. got 10 Cloverfield Lane coming out. By the way, you got to check out this teaser. I got I got to say, man, the best thing about this teaser, though, is how they have uh, <laughs> Tommy James and the Shondells. I think we're alone now playing. I, I watched this. I watched this trailer yesterday like three times, and as soon as I afterwards, I went to Spotify, pulled up some Tommy James. Let's rock it out to some Tommy James afterwards. Put me in a Tommy uh, James mood. I but no. And this movie comes out in two months. Two That's months. The other That's thing. It's the... not even a teaser for next year. It's a teaser. No, released it's done. right now, and it comes out in two months. It's done. They hit it. They hit it. I love the fact that they were able to hide it. And we are going to be back. We're going to be back next week for another edition of the Hillcrest Duo. We'll get caught up on some of the TV series. Yes, because um, uh, Supergirl has been airing. The Flash comes back on Tuesday. Arrow comes back on. I'm going to finish Heroes Reborn too. I'm going to see what's we, up with uh, that. But we will be back next week. I am Brad Risto. I am Outsider Brad on Twitter. He is Metal John. At Metal John Radio on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in to the Hillcrest Duo. You can find us on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter. We'll be back next week talking more.
stuff. <laughs>